0: Turn your Bible to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 2. It's our privilege just to make our way through this book. Uh, You may be curious to see how this is going to work out. Really, the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs is didactic. You have the king Solomon, and he is just teaching his son, and just more of, of a teaching lesson, really, the first nine chapters. Then after that, you, uh, it breaks into the various pithy little statements that we know of as Proverbs. And so we're going to, uh, the first nine chapters, we will just move through those passages. We find ourselves in chapter 2, uh, in the middle of chapter 2, and we'll be uh, going from verse 9 to verse 22. But I, we have a little bit of time. I'd like to read the whole chapter in our presence today. So let me start with verse 1 just as a reminder. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is the shield. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the path of justice and his. And he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness, justice and equity and every good course for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul discretion will guard you understanding will watch over you to delight or to deliver you from the way of evil and the man who speaks perverse things and from those who leave the path of uprightness to walk in the dark in the way of darkness whose delight is Uh, In who delights in doing evil and rejoices in perversity of evil, whose path is crooked and who are devious in their ways, to deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatter with her words that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sink down to death. And her tracks lead to death. None who go to her return. Nor do they reach the path of life. So you will walk in the way of good men. And keep the path of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land. And the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land. And the treacherous will be uprooted from it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for this passage, this proverb, what a rich passage it is. Lord, we are just going to scratch the surface today. It, it's so big, we cannot fit it into just one sermon, but Lord, help us to do that. Help us to be clear, help us to have understanding. Maybe we'd be able to, to glean things from it today that will change our lives Lord, change our understanding, change our perspective on things. So that, we can, so that we can better glorify you in this life. Be better ministers for you in this world in which you've called us to. Lord, bless our time. And again, thank you for this word. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God's wisdom is different from man's wisdom. Now, you, you say that's obvious. We think that's obvious, but sometimes it's not as clear as it should be. And, and I think it needs to be clearer in our minds. God's wisdom is different from man's wisdom. And Christians seem to be in the middle. And sometimes we kind of pull from God's wisdom, we pull from man's wisdom, and we just kind of mix it all together. And it, it, that does not work. When we just pull from God's wisdom and pull from man's wisdom, God's wisdom always comes in second place. It just always will in in our own thinking and the way we will pull things together. God's wisdom is different. It's just different. We need to have that perspective. We need to understand that. God's wisdom is not moral. It is not separated from morality. Now, let me try to give you an illustration of this. We think of wisdom... Some people might think wisdom is just knowledge. Just a lot of information. A lot of schooling. And so he has gone to school and he must be really wise. But it's not just knowledge. We know that, right? It's not just pulling into our minds. It's the application of that knowledge, right? At least that's a good working definition. But really, that's not even a biblical definition. It's not just the working out of that knowledge and, and we call that wisdom okay let me try to illustrate this you, you have a bank robber now the bank robber he knows how to rob a bank he has he may even have the skill of how to rob a bank and he goes in and he robs a bank he robs the bank successfully and and we see that and we think man how clever how wise how smart and we make a movie about it and we write books about it and those books are kind of interesting, they're in, and they're fun to, to read, and the, the movies are fun to watch. Where's the wisdom? In robbing a bank? There's no wisdom in that. Our thinking on that tells us, well, well, that's wise. We need to be able to separate those things out. Let me give you another illustration. The teenager, he is skilled, and he knows how to manipulate his mother. And so he does that. And we don't say, wow, what a smart young man. No, that, no, that's not wisdom. You cannot separate our actions really from morals. Almost all of our actions are, are moral actions, moral decisions. Another illustration would be a, a man has the skill of communication and can move a whole nation. And you, you say, wow, how wise. And he moves that whole nation to kill millions of Jews. You think, no, that's Hitler. There's no wisdom to that. Everything has to be seen from the right perspective. You cannot just use skill and knowledge to, to do bad and, and call that wisdom. Skill and knowledge must be used for what? For good. Then we can say, yeah, that was wise. That's good. Everything has to be seen from God's perspective. God determines if it's wise or not. It has to be seen from his perspective. He sees everything that happens and he determines if it's wise or not. And we need to seek that wisdom. Lord, is this wise or not? Is this wisdom or not? And we have to ask the question, what does God say about this? And that causes us to look into God's word. Now we need to understand that. Man's wisdom, God's wisdom, two distinct things. And we seek after God's wisdom. We seek after God's wisdom from God's word. Now, Solomon wants his son to be wise. We all want our sons and our daughters to be wise. And Solomon is communicating these things to his son. So his son will be be wise. And the whole of chapter 2 is is to help his son gain this this wisdom. And he tells his son, just by way of review, he tells his son, the first thing we saw in chapter 2 is that, son, you need to seek after this wisdom. You need to go after it. And what you will find, that it's rare, it's hard to find, it's not just commonplace, you will come to value wisdom. That's the first point. We need to value wisdom. We need to come to that point. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. The second point that we see in this chapter is that we need to recognize then, when we seek after wisdom, it will always point to God. And we need to come to grips with that, that wisdom, true wisdom, genuine wisdom comes from God. He is the source. He is the source of all wisdom. We need to learn that because that is just true. Now, what we see in this passage, from verses 9 down to the end of the chapter, there's another principle that Solomon, and this is, is kind of just a logical flow here. He says, you need to start seeking for wisdom. Here's what you're going to find. You're going to find it comes from God. This third principle is the fact that you will come to understand that true wisdom really reflects the nature of God. You'll come to understand that nature is is essentially God's nature. And so what I want us to see, the question that he asks or answers for us in this passage, is what is the nature of God's wisdom? What, What is this Wisdom. If it's different from our wisdom, shouldn't we understand wisdom then from God's perspective? Solomon doesn't want his son to just know man's wisdom or just be clever or just be wise. No, he wants his son to know God's wisdom. If that's the only source, then it has to come comes down to, to God. And so the question is, what, what does God's wisdom look like? What is the nature of God's wisdom? And there's three elements in this passage. From verses nine to the end of the chapter. And it kind of sum it up like this. The wisdom that comes from God is the same nature as God. It's protective wisdom and it's also wisdom that blesses. Now let's look at the first one here. God's wisdom matches God's nature, God's perspective, God's character, we might add, God's purpose. And it's just righteousness. It just matches God. Now, this just, again, this just makes sense. God's, if God is the way he is, his wisdom is going to be consistent with his nature. Oh, look at verse 1. He says, search after wisdom. When you find it, you'll find that God's the only source of that wisdom. And then, verse 9, then you will discern righteousness. This is the very nature of this wisdom. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity in every good course for wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Now, when you come to know God, you'll come to know God's nature, and God's wisdom is consistent with God's nature, and you're going to discern that. The word discern there, and I explained this a couple of weeks ago. Discern is to be able to pick out, to be able to sort out. You've seen those tests, that kind of IQ tests, I guess, and and you have to pick up these so many blocks and put them in holes that that fit you know you have to discern you have to be able to distinguish out that's the idea you're going to distinguish out you say well what will i see if i begin to distinguish god's wisdom from man's wisdom what am i going to see god's wisdom is distinct it's it's righteousness it's it's righteousness and we see it as just adhering to righteous standards. That's kind of the way we think of things. You know, here's God's standards, and we just adhere to that, and that's wisdom. But it's, it's beyond that. It's not just a moral thing. It's not just God's moral standards. We may call it that, and that, that would work. But the word actually can be translated normal. Just what is Normal. God has created man, and before sin entered into the world, man was just normal. The way life is, this is just normal course of life. He did not sin in that process until sin came into the world. It was just a normal life. Today, we call it righteousness. It's just normal life. You say, well, you know, I've seen enough Hallmark channels, and I, it's boring. Righteous life is just boring. You know, come on, you got to throw a little sin in there to make, you know, that's just kind of the way we think. But let me just challenge you. Try to be normal. This <laughs> kind of sounds strange. Just try to be righteous. Try to be righteous without the influence of sin. And let me tell you, you try that. It's not going to be boring. It's not a dull life, trying to be righteous, trying to do what is right. It's not boring, not boring at all. You're going to see God's nature and you're going to line up with your own nature. You're going to see this is God's wisdom. Why? Because it's righteous. It's also justice. You'll distinguish this out. Justice is judging free from favoritism, free from self-interest, a bias. You're going to have equity. You'll see equity. God is fair. Uh, the ability to judge without uh, discrimination. Honesty is, is the idea. And you'll see that it is it is good. You'll see every good course. And I love that little phrase, every good course. We understand the word good, suitable. It's this idea of putting your hand in a glove. It just fits. It fits. This is the way life is to, to be lived. This is a good course. And the word course there is, you can literally translate it, wagon ruts, wagon tracks. As the wagon is pulled by the cart, the cart, the wheels of the cart make ruts in the, in the road and it, and it carves out a path. And sometimes it's hard to get out or hard to get into those ruts. Sometimes you get into those those ruts and it's you know it's hard to pull away from those ruts. But that's what it is. It's this path. And this is a good path. This is God's path. And you'll you'll see this. You'll see this. What you're seeing is that this is God's fingerprint, this is God's DNA, this is God's wisdom for your life, and it's righteous, and it's good, it's equity, it's fair. This is just the way God has called us to live life. It's just God's wisdom, that's what we're seeing. This is the normal way we're to live life without the influence of sin. Without the influence of sin. The the wisdom that comes from God... Reflects God's nature. It reflects God's perspective, his character, his desires. It reflects his righteousness. A good path. Now let's let's apply this. We then have to see things. If we're living by wisdom, God's wisdom, we are seeing the world. We're seeing everything else from God's perspective. Just the way God would see it. Just the way God would see it. So that means we take on God's attitude. Never thought about that? Having a godly attitude? That means that we love what God loves. That we rejoice over what God rejoices over. Now think of your life. I I have to think of my own life. What do I rejoice over? What do I cry over? Do I cry over the same thing God would cry over? Do I hate what God hates? Do I love what God loves? Do I respond the way God would respond? We need to live life as though we were God living here on this earth, reacting, responding the way God would react and and respond. We are to live life from God's perspective. Now notice verse 10. He says... For wisdom then will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to you. This is not a, a list of rules of do's and don'ts. And when you begin to see this is, this is just godliness lived out, then wisdom, he says, will fill your heart. There's gonna, and there's gonna be a pleasantness there. And you're gonna have a desire there. One way to put it is, it's just captivating. It's captivating. I see. How would I do this? And fleshing it out in your life is captivating. How do you do that? And it draws me in, draws me in from my own life. We cannot just live our lives any old way or with any old attitude that we want to live. We see the fingerprint of God, God's wisdom, and we know that our wisdom has to match that or it's the wisdom from the world. We have to have God's wisdom and that kind of wisdom has to govern our life. Now, that's exactly what James is talking about in James chapter 3. Go ahead and turn over there again. But the wisdom from above is first pure and peaceable and gentle. Verse 17, James chapter 3 verse 17. His wisdom is is different from our wisdom. And so we have to pick up His wisdom. We have to see things from His perspective. And it's laid out for us so clearly in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, they didn't have all of this. But we do. Peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. It's the seeds of righteousness. You're essentially living out righteousness. Righteousness that's the way God would have us to live so true wisdom true wisdom is from the is from God's nature the same character as God the same nature as God same purpose same perspective of God number two God's wisdom is protective you need to see that God's wisdom is protective it's not self-centered our wisdoms is It says, uh, man, he must be wise because he's able to make a lot of money. He must be wise because he can do this or he can do that. And and it's it's basically self-centered. God's wisdom is not like that. God gives us his wisdom for a reason. And that's primarily our own protection. Our own protection. Protection. Look at verse 11. Discretion will guard you. So you discover God's wisdom. You realize, you recognize, uh, this is the very nature of God. You're living this out in your life. It becomes captivating to your heart. You're just absorbed into it. And you'll discern. You'll di- you'll have uh, this discretion. And, and it will guard you. And understanding will watch over you. To deliver you from the way of evil. Way of evil. Now, it's important for us to understand that. He gives us actually a couple of illustrations. One from a man and one from a woman. But he he gives us a couple of uh, examples of this. The first one is the man. Look at verse the end of verse 11. From the man who speaks perverse things. So it's going to protect us and it's going to guard us from this man who speaks perverse things. First thing you'll notice about this man is his speech. First thing we notice about people, Right? About their accent. Oh, yeah, I can tell where he's from. He's from up north because he, he says, oh, a lot or yeah, I don't know. Whatever one you want. And we pick up the accent. We know. And this kind of wisdom that comes from God, we will be able to, when a person starts to speak, we'll be able to analyze and we'll be able to tell. And it will help guard us from this kind of person. That's his speech, perverse speech. That is distorted, twisted from what is good. Number two, you, you see him uh, having a, a different life. Verse 13, from those who leave the path of uprightness. And you see the, the key term there? Uprightness. The normal Christian life. The way God intended us to live without sin influencing. And he's left that. He, he's no longer on that. Now the picture, a Jewish boy, uh, who has grown up under the truth. His parents has taught him the truth. He knows how to be upright, but that's boring to him. So he kind of veers from that path and God's wisdom will help you discern. Oh, you no, know, no, that person has veered from that path and you'll be able to discern that and have that discretion. He has a different kind of life. Now here's what happens is sometimes with young people, that kind of life becomes attractive. You get to look out and you say, man, this whole righteousness life, it's kind of boring. You look at another person, like, man, they're having all kinds of fun. They don't have the restrictions and it might be appealing to them. And, and, and he goes on, they leave the path of uprightness, the verse 13, to walk in the way of darkness. This is their life. The word darkness there it can be translated obscurity. I like that. Obscure it's not the right way it's obviously the the wrong way but it's obscure it's something that God has not addressed and so they kind of live in that obscure little world that's exactly where Satan wants us to live it's not exactly right and it's not exactly wrong but it's this obscure little world it's kind of just darkness it's you know Satan said to, to Eve has God said that's obscurity. Oh, Let's live in that little world. Let's pursue what God means by that. Let's question God and live in that little obscurity there. Then you begin to, to realize there's different values to this man. And wisdom will point these things out. This guy has different values. has different values. He rejoices over something that we wouldn't rejoice over. So, wickedness. His heart you begin to realize is captivated by something other than what it should be captivated by, and he has a different value system there and then uh, who rejoice over perversity of evil, so you have evil, but then you have the twisting of evil and making it even worse so so what we have is we, we watch these movies and we find ourselves at the end of the movies rejoicing because the the bank robber got away for free and he, he robbed the bank successfully you think, wait a second that's that's a perversity of evil that's just wrong now i understand it's kind of clever and it's fun and i watch oceans 11 as well so don't but you get the point we wind up loving the thing that god would just say no that's not wisdom that's not right that's what happens when you kind of merge the two, when you get away from God's wisdom. In the verse 15, whose path is crooked, his whole way of life is just wrong. He's on a different path. It's a crooked path. And who deceives in their ways, who are deceives in their way. And the weird way there, again, is that same idea of these tracks. He's got a different way, a different course. He's going a different course of life. So what we see here is, is, is God's wisdom protects us from this. Protects us from this. There is a house in our neighborhood. I won't mention the name of the house or the name of the people that live there. But we just knew if the police were going to be called to our neighborhood, it's probably going to be in this house. Okay, maybe your neighborhood has one of those. If the police are going to be called, it's going to be this house, you know. Well, one day, and, and it was just, a, I don't, it wasn't every day, and something happened, and I got dropped off. At the same times that these kids, and these kids were a little older, they, they went to this house, and the first thing out of their mouth is, oh, your, your dad's that preacher, isn't he? And they begin to make fun. I'm five or six years old. I'm just coming out of kindergarten or whatever. And they're like a little older. And they're just kind, And I begin to realize, they don't like me. They're making fun of me. And I was able to discern that. I don't know how I was able to discern that. My mom just... And then they went into the house. And ooh, you know. Yeah, you get the picture. I was up in Canaan Valley. First time I was up there. The place is vast. I didn't have a map or anything. I had a buddy. And we just kept walking. And I'm thinking, where in this world are we going? Are we ever going to get there where we're supposed to go? I don't even know where we're going. And all I knew was this path. And this path was important. I knew if I got off this path, I would be in big trouble because that place is just too big. And you would see signs. Everyone while. do not leave the path. They didn't have to tell me that. Understand that's important. That's the righteous path, folks. That's the righteous path. And every once in a while we need to be reminded. Do not get off the path. This is a good path. It's guarding you. It's protecting you. Look at verse 16. It also protects us from the woman. Verse 16. To deliver you. He's going to protect you and deliver you from the strange woman. That's essentially an alien. Now it's not strange in that she has Medusa hair or anything like that. No, it's strange in that she's an alien woman or not a Jew. So you have these... Other women coming into the Jewish community and kind of entice. That's kind of the idea. And even further, it kind of gives a more explanation from the adulteress who flatters with her words that leaves the companion. That's the, the friend of her youth, or really the, her husband. She's just abandoned her husband and she forgets. The covenant of her God. She forgets that, that so many years ago she made this covenant before God of marriage. And she just, just leaves that. Leaves the companion of her youth. Forgets the covenant of her God. This kind of wisdom will even protect you from her. You're going to be able to discern this, son. And this is the good kind of wisdom. You're going to be able to, to tell these things out. You'll be able to separate these things. Because, verse 18, for her house sinks down to death that's a graphic picture from time to time you'll hear in the news of just uh, all of a sudden there's a sinkhole just boom just kind of drops out and some homes may be lost and I, I know just recently there was one in Florida and I just think where does it go in Florida I mean there's nothing you're at sea level there you know you just drop out and you just and around here we we understand that because there's um there's mines around here, and we can understand sinkholes. And that's the idea here, just this sinkhole. All of a sudden, the ground just drops out into oblivion, into, into you know, death. That's the picture here. This is her path. This is her house. All of a sudden, it's just gonna, the bottom's going to drop out, and her tracks lead to death. None who go to her return, nor do they reach the path of life. They don't come back. A few years ago, actually, John Lilly was telling me this story. I think it was in 2014, Corvette had a, a showroom. They have it on video, and I hear that you can look it up online and, just, and watch this happen. But in the showroom, the, the floor just, there was just a sink, I don't know what the name of it is, but it just, it just dropped out. They lost eight cars, eight cars. And they recovered three of them, what I understand. And what they've done now is kind of blocked this off, put some lights down where, where these cars were, and they've turned it into a museum. So you can go for $10 and see this big sinkhole. It's still there. It's in Louisville. I just think that's a little different, but, but that's the idea. Just boom, just the bottoms dropped out. You just lose millions of dollars worth of cars. It's amazing to me. And, and that's, without warning, all of a sudden... She's led you into the wrong place. You're on the wrong path. And there just seems to be no no place to turn around. It's a perverse life. Now, men, this is a good picture of pornography. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, you just find yourself where you think, how in this world did I even get here? And the bottom just drops out. And you just think, where did my life go? Or or pick your sin. Any sin will lead you there. Any sin can do that. But we find ourselves and we think, how in the world did we get there? Wisdom, God's wisdom, the right kind of wisdom, can protect us from these things. God's wisdom has that ability to even protect when there's an internal desire there. I'm sure that young man is attracted to that young woman. There's this desire there. But but let me tell you, it's, it's... It's bad. You don't want to touch that hot stove. That's the idea. And somehow we think that God is withholding good from us. You know? It's just wisdom. It's just living life from God's perspective, living the normal life that God intended us for to live. And, and, and somehow we think that God is withholding from us. Withholding good from us. And it's not. We need to have that perspective. We need to be protected from Satan. He is active. He wants us to go down the wrong path. We need to be protected from the world. We even need to be protected from our sinful self. We do. We need God's wisdom to protect us. Even in our own heart. We have to govern our heart. We, we cannot just let ourselves go. We have to have those boundaries of God's wisdom. Or we will wind up. We don't want to be. A place where there's just this... Well, it's the wind up in the camp of evil. We begin to take wrong advice. We begin to go down the wrong path. There should be some warning flags saying, Don't go down this way. This is not God's wisdom. Number three. God's wisdom brings about God's blessing. This is so good. Look at verse 20. So, so you... In contrast to these, so you, so you pursue wisdom, um, you find it at God's feet, it's the fear of the Lord, just the beginning of knowledge, and you pursue that, and you discover this is just the very way we're supposed to live life. So you will walk in the way of good men. Good men. And this is attractive. These are good, healthy men. You will walk in the way of good men and who keep the path. And keep the path of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land. God is not using Israel anymore. He is is using the church. And we're not tied to land. And his blessings are not so much physical right now. As as they were in in Solomon's day. But it's still blessing from the Lord. In fact, Paul says we have every spiritual blessing. Our blessings are more spiritual than, than they are physical. We're not necessarily blessed physically. But folks, we are blessed. We are blessed. Verse 22. But the wicked will be cut off from the land. And this is again, Israel tied to the land. This wicked person going the wrong way. God will just rip them out and pull them out of the land. They will not be secure in that land. It's talking about security. This is talking about security. God's blessing upon us. And the treacherous, he goes on to say, will be uprooted. It's a very graphic picture there. Now... This is talking about security. God's blessing produces a security on our life. It's not the physical security. It'll just be security while we're, like Paul and Silas, are in jail. We can sing. There's a certain uh, settledness to our life. Even though persecutions come, there's a certain security that we have. What I love is you will walk in the path of, uh, in the way of good men. The, the good course, remember? This is the good path. You're going to walk in that way. The path of good men. Every once in a while you'll see a post. A sign post that lets you know you're going down the right way. Abraham traveled this way. Moses traveled this way. Enoch. Daniel. He traveled this way. And you see these sign posts. And you say, yes, this is the good path. This is the right way. I know I'm going in God's wisdom. And I look for those. I look for those throughout Scripture. Am I going the right way? And and I look and I see Abraham's life. He just stepped out in faith. And and I just keep walking by faith. And I see those signposts of Daniel and all of these godly men. They keep to the path of righteousness. The path of righteousness. There's signposts of... Of Joseph and the apostles and Christ himself, the way of righteousness. But there's an urgency here of being yanked out. If we continue to flirt with the world's wisdom, to flirt with sin, we cannot expect, we have no right to expect God's blessing. God's security on our life. And we saw that. Even with David, when he was living in sin, he cried out, Lord, don't or restore to me, David said. David to say, restore to me the joy of my salvation. There's no security in his life. And Satan may give a, a false sense of security, and boy, the world has that. We will have real security. And, and with our security, The kind of security that the Lord gives, the Lord gives through his wisdom, it it gives boldness. We know how to live life. It gives a confidence going into life. Solomon says "The the righteous are as bold as a lion. That's the the right idea. You're going down the right path. You know you're going down the right path. You check yourself from time to time from these godly men who have gone down this path. And that gives us boldness. Gives us boldness. That's the picture here. So we start out by seeking God's wisdom. We wind up at God's feet. Recognizing that wisdom only comes from God. True wisdom only comes from God. And then we begin to understand and pick up the very nature of God in the wisdom that we see from God. And it's different from the world's, folks. It's different from the world's. But listen, we have to understand God's wisdom. We cannot just accept God's wisdom. It has to be a shift in our thinking. We cannot think... The way the world thinks, and wind up in the right place. We have to think, think differently. Do you really know God, or do you do you really know the way God thinks? Do you live under God's wisdom? I have to ask myself that question. I say, well, how do you know God's wisdom? You know that it's from God's word. He communicates that. It's God's revelation. He reveals His wisdom to us. We saw that in Sunday school today, that He He reveals it. He lets us know what He wants. He lets us know enough of God's wisdom and His righteousness of how to stay in the right course. Now, what's the application? Just real quick 30 seconds. The right application? Where do you start? Seek after this kind of wisdom, you say, "God, I want this wisdom that 's exactly what Solomon said, uh, Son, you need to go after it. You need to search for it as hidden treasure it has to be valuable to you, it has to be valuable, and then we have to realize true wisdom comes from God, and not from ourselves, not from the world, not from the world 's philosophy or science. But from God, not from our own experience or even other people's experience. Wisdom, true wisdom, comes from God. and we start here. This is the starting place, God's word. And it formulates for us a, a protective barrier on our life that gives us confidence. It's a different kind of wisdom from the world. Do you study God's word as though you were seeking wisdom for your life? As though you were putting a life vest on to protect you in in, in the case of a boat going down? Do do you put God's wisdom on? Do you see it as a good protective thing? Or do you see it as just a hindrance to the way I want to live my life? Let me tell you, you're going down the wrong path. You're, You're not using God's wisdom. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Father, for your word. Lord, how precious it is. Lord, may we use your wisdom, and not be sucked into the world's wisdom. Not even flirt with it. Sometimes we we flirt with it. Lord, help us just guard our hearts. Guard us from even just veering from the right path and going into the wrong path. Lord, we do not want to jeopardize our life. We want to live our lives to your glory and honor. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.